Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So we've been having a series now. This is the third installment of Planting Churches. And today's sermon is entitled, uh, The Local Church is the Hope of the World. So Anna mentioned the fact that there was xenophobia that broke out in South Africa uh, a couple of weeks ago. And in my connect group, we've really been disturbed by this. So we've been like wrestling with this stuff and having a chat about it. And I'm sure that many of you had conversations like that with your friends, right? Like just asking yourself, like the little hair that I have, I'm pulling it out, trying to figure out like, Lord, why is this happening, right? Like what is the root of this? And how is it that we can get this out of our society? And then it got settled in my heart that I shouldn't be surprised. Like, this is the world that we live in, guys. If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, the word says that every person, every child is born with wickedness in their heart. Now, I have two little girls, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And Sophia is the youngest. And I mean, that child is the sweetest thing ever, right? But the word says that she is wicked. And that is the baseline assumption of this world. So the fact of the matter is that if there's a world out there that's lost, and if there's a world out there that has tattoos trying to like find a place that they can escape to, they will never, ever, ever find it outside of what it is that we're doing right now, church. They will never find it outside of the church. There is no hope out there. But the good news is, the too good to be true news, because that's what gospel means, is that Jesus is the hope of the world. Amen? So our local church is that hope, and the church works, and it is supposed to work, and when it does work, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. (laughs) A few more. Uh, Another one. Back. Another one back. There we go. There we go. Okay, cool. So let's read this. This is by Bill Bill Hybels, right? So Bill Hybels... um, he is a bit of a divisive figure, um, and I think that's also why it's appro- appropriate that we read what he had to say about the church. So he was essentially, he resigned voluntarily from his church because of misconduct, okay? And if you want to Google it, go have a look at it. But he's a great, he is a great leader within the church movement. He has done many good things for the church, and he has this to say. He says, there is nothing like the local church when it is working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions. It frees the oppressed and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Next slide. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, and guys, as we said, human suffering is the baseline assumption. So whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and for wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. Where else would I want to employ the leadership gifts God has graciously given me. The church is the hope of the world. 
I'd like to open up in prayer. Lord, I just I thank you for this, this moment, Lord God, that we can spend in your word. Lord, I thank you for this holy moment, Lord God, where your Holy Spirit is going to do a work, Lord, in the people that are here. Thank you, Lord, that every single person that is here is here for a reason, Lord. It is not an accident. It is not a fluke, Lord God. It is by design. Lord, your word says that you pursue us. You, you charge after us, Lord God. And you want to embrace us, Lord. Your word says that you want one person to be lost. And Lord, I pray that we would get um, a fire in our bones, Lord God, as we speak about your church, Lord God. That we would get a passion, Lord God, for what it is that burns within your heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Cool. So who is the church? And I know that you guys know this already, right? But the church is not a building. It's not a place. It is the people sitting here. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the ones that are the vehicle that establishes the kingdom of God on the earth. Now you have to understand there's a difference. There's the church and there's the kingdom of God. Okay? And we are the church. We bring the message of the kingdom of God to this earth. Okay? So that's who we are. We are the ambassadors. And many times people will talk about the church in disparaging tones, right? So they'll talk about the church um, as judgmental. They'll talk about the church as, did you hear about that other guy who was in this church and he's a so-called leader and he's been doing things on the side, right? He's corrupt, you know? He cheated on his wife. He made his congregants eat cockroaches, right? We've all heard those accusations about the church, right? But I just want to, to rectify something right here. That is not the church. Those are individuals within the church who are fallen. And I want to read this quote to you by Billy Graham, and it says, If you want to find the perfect church, if you find the perfect church, he says, don't join it. You would spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Graham. And that is the very fact of the church. It is made up of individuals who are flawed. Me, as I'm standing here right now, I have made mistakes. Many of them. And I will make mistakes in the future as well. I am by no means infallible. But this thing that we call church is beautiful. And it is something that we need to uphold. It is something that we need to defend. And it's something that we need to preach to the world. That Jesus Christ is the only hope of this world. That he is the one that saves. And yes, there are, sheep that there are wolves that come in sheep's clothing to try and dissuade us and to sway us and to lead us down the wrong path. But as Switchfoot, that awesome rock band says, the shadow proves the sunshine. Yeah? Anybody know Switchfoot? No? Come on, guys. Hey, there we go. There we go. Huh? Let's go on to the next slide. So this is what you need to understand, guys. The church is God's master pl plan. In Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says, His intent, this is God, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. That's a mouthful. That word manifold over there is the Greek word polypoikilos. And polypoikilos is what God wants to reveal, right? Polypoikilos means multifaceted, multidimensional, multicolored, and much varied. 
That is what God wants to reveal to the world. The much varied, multicultural, diverse wisdom of God. And what is the vehicle that he wants to use for that? It's us, the church. So what does that make us as the church? It makes us a diamond, right? So you've seen what, it, what light does with a diamond or what a diamond does with light. If light hits a diamond, it refracts it and it shatters that light and it makes it brilliant and radiant, right? It amplifies, it beautifies something that is already beautiful, which is light, and it makes it so much greater. And that's who we are when we allow God to use us. That is the intent that God wanted to do. And what does it say there at the end? It says, he wanted to make his manifold wisdom known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Who are the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms? Those are demons and angels. So God wanted to reveal his wisdom, not only to the people that are here on this earth, but also to the demons and to the angels. Do you know that angels cannot understand why God likes us so much? They don't get it. Why? Because we fail. Because we are broken. Because we keep making mistakes. And what does he do? He gives us his son. And the angels are holding their heads thinking, Lord, this is a mistake, not this one. No, never. Not him. Don't you know that he's going to fall again? That he's going to make another mistake? Right? But that is who are, that's what we are revealing to the angels and to the de demons. That God loved us so much that he would give his only son for us. Broken, frail, jars of clay. Right? And there is nothing more beautiful than revealing God's wisdom to this world. So Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a reformer in the English church, said there is nothing beyond the church. She is the highest, the most supreme manifestation of the wisdom of God. So when Jesus left this earth, what did he do? He pinned all of his hope on you, right? On me. And that seems like a mistake, right? And he said to his disciples, it is better that I go, because if I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do far greater things than I have done. Now you have to understand that Jesus was fully man and fully God. So you will never have the revelation that Jesus had. Okay? You are not God. But the one thing that he was as well was fully human. And because of that, he could only ever be in one place at a time. And every single one of us would have loved to have been in Israel, right, when Jesus was there and actually see what it is that happened and walk with him and, you know, stand alongside him. But it would be a shadow of what could have been achieved, which is what we have today. And as much as people want to criticize the church and say that it's terrible, guys, there are hundreds of millions, there are billions of us, right, out there. And that is as a result of the church. It was God's plan A. There was nothing else. It was only, it was the only thing that he had. Go back? Okay. Um, there is no plan B. And I want to put it to you like this. How many of you are under persecution right now? Yeah? Okay, there's a few hands. Okay. Yeah? No, no, no. I'm asking a question. No, no, no. So, persecution, right? So let's, let's have a look at, okay, so when we say persecution, what do you think? You think violence, right? You think somebody's coming in here with an AK-47 and peppering us all with a bullet, right? 
And look, there is the persecuted church who are violently being persecuted. So last year, 2018 to October last year, there were 4,000 Christians around the world who were killed for their faith. There was almost 2,000 church buildings that were attacked. And there were more than 3,000 Christians that were arrested purely for being a Christian or being a believer. And what happens to the church when it gets persecuted, when it, there's violence against it? It goes underground. It goes underground. It starts to meet in homes. It starts to get um, undercover. There's secret agents slipping little like notes over here. See you at 7 o'clock at location X, right? And the funny thing about the persecuted church sometimes is that it actually explodes. It multiplies. The church that's growing the fastest right now is in China, right? Where there is real persecution against the church, violent persecution. But I want to put it to you like this, right? That potentially the enemy has a, a sneaky strategy up his sleeve. And that all of us here are also under persecution. So what does persecution mean? Persecution means... Um, where is my definition? It means... Basically, it means that people disparage something or they push it down or they, um, they look at it with disdain. They persecute a thought. And that is essentially what has happened to us. So in democracies and in countries in the West right now, the church is under tremendous persecution. But it's a persecution of thought. And I want to put it to you that what it has done, it has driven the church underground, but not in a good way. If it had been a violent oppression, that would have been better. And I don't say that lightly, okay? I don't want my children being attacked for their faith. But what has it done? It has made us cower. It has made us afraid to voice what it is that we know. And what do we know? We know the truth. We have a personal relationship with the truth. The word says that Jesus is the manifestation of the truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the truth. And even though we have that revelation, what do we do? We drive ourselves underground. We drive our thoughts and what it is that we have, this treasure stored up inside of us, we drive it underground. And we rob the world of what it needs. Why? Because we are fearful, because we don't want to be called illiterate, unscientific, idiotic, foolish, old-fashioned. Haven't you heard of science? Hello? What's wrong with you? Evolution, bruh. Right? So that is what has happened to the Western world to a large extent, and that's what's starting to happen here. And I mean, that is exactly what you experienced in Pretoria, right? Is that you're not allowed to now speak out about your beliefs in a public space. And I'm telling you, I'm warning you, it is coming to Namibia. If we do not stand up and if we are not bold. The devil has tried for millennia to silence the church. And all he has done is made it mushroom and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Let us not stand back because somebody makes us cower through their arguments or their questions. Because I want to put it to you like this, that if somebody asks you a question, 
about your faith. And even if you don't have the answer, even if you do feel foolish at that point in time, I want you to put it back to them and say, okay, fine. Maybe I don't have the answer to whatever question it is that you're asking. But what is your solution to this? What do you think we should do as a society to solve these problems, to move us forward? Is it just rationality that's going to get us from here into nirvana? You know, the utopian society, that special place, heaven on earth? And I put it to you that there is nothing, nothing, nothing like the Word of God. There is no formula, there is no organization, there is no crusade or social justice campaign that anybody is on that's going to work as good as this. won't even come close. And in fact, all that it will do is lead to death and, and to destruction. The 21st century or the 20th century was the bloodiest century that the world has ever experienced. Hundreds of millions of people dead. Why? Because atheism was pushed as the leading light, as the guiding light. Science and atheism said, listen, God is dead. We don't need him. And what happened? World War I, World War II, death and destruction under Mao Zedong, death and destruction under St Stalin in the USSR, all because of ideology and because the church was driven underground. Let's go on to the next slide. Matthew 16, verse 18 to 19. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now this was a revelation that Peter had about Jesus. So Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? And Peter then replied to him and said, you are the Son of God. And then Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Right? But the Spirit of God has. And then what does he do? He changes his name. So who was Peter before? His name was Simon. Simon means reed. What does a reed do? It blows in the wind. It goes with the flow. Wherever the current is, that's where the reed goes, right? And Jesus then changed his name and said, you will be Peter. Peter that he uses there is Petros, which is small rock. And he says that, and I tell you, you are Petros, small rock. And on this, Petra. Now that Petra there is large rock. That is cornerstone. That is foundation rock. That is Jesus. On this Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who does Jesus say you are? Who do you say you are? So some of you guys were here on, on Friday, and Pastor Chris gave a powerful teaching on Jacob becoming Israel. And that was brilliant because the thing is, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, and his name was changed to Israel because he was wrestling with this angel. And at the end of it, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the angel then asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is deceiver. My name is supplanter. And he said, from this day forward, you will be Israel, he who contends with God, he who wrestles with God. And in the same way, you need to identify what your identity is. Who are you? What do you call yourself? Are you a reed that tosses to and fro, that goes with every whim, with every new doctrine, with every new prophet that arrives in town, with every false teacher that wants to tickle your ears and tell you good things? 
I want you to understand that the church is powerful. These are not my slides. Remember I gave you the slides? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, the church is unstoppable. The church is the only thing that is going to change this world. So let's give them a secchi to get the slides. So Jesus wants you to get that rev like revelation, guys, that you are no longer a reed, that your identity is in Christ. And because your identity is in Christ, it means that you are not tossed to and fro. It means that you can stand firm, that you can come against every new teaching or anything that wants to put itself above God. And I want you to understand that Jesus is saying that we are an army, that we are an advancing army. Matthew 16 verse 19 says that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Because you have the keys of the kingdom, it means that you can permit or you can forbid. So what that is, that is a rabbinic teaching. So the rabbinic teaching was that the rabbi could interpret the law and give that to the people and say, look, this is the interpretation of that. Jesus has now said, I give those keys to you as the church. I give you the ability to do what? To bind and to loose on earth. And so it shall be bound and it shall be loosed in heaven. So what do we bind on earth? The word also says that we do not fight against principalities and powers. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers, right? So when we are binding things on earth, we are binding thoughts. We are binding depression. We are binding sickness. We are binding anything that would raise itself above God. We are binding it all. And what are we releasing? We are releasing joy. We are releasing love. We are releasing hope. We are releasing Jesus Christ into this world. We have those keys to the kingdom. So this is not a defensive strategy. This is an advancing strategy. This is an attacking strategy. <laughs> Are we okay, guys? <laughs> no? Not okay. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Cool. Go on to the next slide. <laughs> we are an advancing army. <laughs> an army, guys! <laughs> and with that bombshell, let me get some water. Huh? Hmm? Okay, cool. Let's start that again. We're an advancing army. We're an army that are taking back what the enemy has stolen from us, right? It says that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. What does that mean? It means that we are going to the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not coming towards us. We are coming after it. And what are we taking out of the gates of hell? We are taking back souls. We are taking back the lost. We are taking back our health. We are taking back our finances. We are taking back everything that the enemy has stolen from us. Yeah? And the church is called to overcome, guys. So, Pastor Chris is very fond of saying, put your hand on your heart, right? 
and he's very fond of telling you, look at your neighbor next to you and say this, that, and the other. Right? So how many of you have wondered, like, that's kind of weird, right? Anybody? You can be honest. Yeah? There we go. Anybody else? Oh, there we go. Huh? We've got a movement here. Okay. <clears throat> so he's never explained it to you, maybe. So let me just help Pastor Chris, okay? So what he's doing when he's doing that is he's getting you to confess with your mouth. That's why he's doing it. He's not trying to be weird. Might seem a bit weird. But he's trying to get you to confess with your mouth. And it's been said from this pulpit so many times, guys, that when you're at home, when you're in your closet, when you're alone, when you are coming in and the enemy is coming against you like a flood, what must you do? You fight. How do you fight? You use your words. And you speak out loud. Even though you look like a fool, you speak out loud. You say those words. And you say, enemy, no. What does the word say about me? It says, he who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne. What? As I also overcame and sat down beside my father on his throne. Guys, that's huge. Like, come on. Am I reading that right? I'm reading that right, yeah? So what does that make you? If it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then what are you? You're royalty, right? Go on to the next slide. We are called to overcome. I want you to read this with me. Luke 10, verse 19. One, two, three. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Come on, guys. That's powerful stuff. We cannot walk around out there defeated. Not when this is what the Word has to say about us. There's no ways that I can be under the weather. Right? I'm always above it all. Why? Because I have Jesus on my side. Not because I'm amazing. Because I'm flawed. I'm made of flesh and blood. Right? Go on to the next slide. We are called to overcome. Please read this with me as well. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Guys, that is your identity. And that is what the battle is for. It's for your identity. Who do you say that you are? And the devil will always come with accusations. He will always come to you and be like, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. I know you. I saw you. Nobody else saw you, but I saw you. I know what you did. And he is the accuser. That's what the word says. He's the chief accuser. And he's the chief of lies. It says that everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And that is what he will come at you with. He will come at you with accusation after accusation, lie after lie. That is what he's coming to you with. And that is when you've got to stand on the word and you've got to speak it out loud and you've got to say, I am victorious. I am an overcomer. I will not shrink back. I will advance. Who knows what this is? Where's China? Do you want to give us a demonstration? <laughs> huh? Huh? So, who doesn't know this? Put up your hands. No, it's fine if you don't. Like, who doesn't know? Okay, cool. There's a few of you. So, this is rugby. It's a game. With a little oval ball. Like this. Right? And you throw it backwards. Not that silly nonsense of throwing it forward. No. You throw it backwards. Okay? 
and rugby is the chief of sports, okay? And right now, <laughs> no, you know, you know what they say about rugby? Rugby, rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen. Football, football is a gentleman's game played by hooligans. Okay? So, this is, this is rugby, right? And the best team in the world right now is the Springboks. But there are these guys over here. There are these guys over here. Must uh, I preach? Must I keep preaching? There are these guys over here that are pretenders. So-called rugby World Cup holders. No, guys. Okay, let's just be honest. These guys are fly. Okay, they're really good. And even though I'm not a, an all-black supporter, we've got one over there. Uh, we'll make him pay for his sins, you know, <laughs> come October. But they do this dance, right, right before the game, and it's called the haka, okay? And it's a war cry. And they stand there. Come on, China, do it. Haka mate, come on. <laughs> and they beat their arms, and they beat their legs, and they make these faces and they pull their thumbs across their necks like this, meaning you're going to die today. And this is before the game, eh? <laughs> this is before the game. And I won't lie, I'm watching this and I'm like, <laughs> Mufasa. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah? And it is, it is an awesome sight. And look, guys, these guys are prepared, right? These guys are beasts. They train they put their bodies through punishment and they are prepared when they're on the battlefield. And before the fight, they do this war cry and they say, today your blood will flow. Today you're going down. I don't even know what's going to come my way, but I'm going to overcome. Why? Because I am an all black. And that's who we are, guys. We are Christians, right? Come on. We are Christians. We are the church. And so from that point of view, even before we get into the battle, we can do our war cry. We can do our war dance. We can tell the devil, Vandaag, Papa. Vandaag. Huh? Yeah? And maybe I'll lose some blood. Maybe I'll break a leg. Maybe I'll get injured. But you know what? I will win. I will overcome. Why? Because Jesus has already fought the battle for me. Amen? Amen? So that is who we are, guys. That is the church. That is you. The church is powerful. What did Jesus do when he left? He gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he said, bound here, guys, not bound in heaven okay we're not praying that way we're praying here what do you see you see death and destruction what do you see you see comprehensive sexual education huh what do you see you see injustice you see xenophobic attacks you see flesh and blood you see what's happening in this world and you are not immune to it the bible says that we are not of this world but we are in this world right so even though we are the ecclesia the called out ones the ones that are separate we are still part of this world, and we still see everything that's going on. And so what is our job? The, wor the Word says that it is our job to bind and to loose. So from that point of view, if something out there is happening that shouldn't be happening, it's because we are allowing it. We are allowing it. 
So if you see injustice, if you see pain, you are the salt, you are the light, you are the one that's supposed to go into that situation and speak life and do something about it. That is what the church is about. The world is a reflection of the church. Whatever happens in the world is purely because the church has allowed it. Whatever happens in my family is because I allow it. If there is sickness in my family, it's because I have allowed it. If there is pain, it's because I have allowed it. It's a sobering thought, eh? But we are the ambassadors that bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And what does the kingdom of heaven look like? Is there pain? Is there sorrow? Is there sickness? Is there death? No. So we are here to establish God's kingdom on this earth. And so we need to bind what needs to be bound. And we need to loose what needs to be loosed. So what must we forbid? We forbid injustice. We forbid hatred. We forbid bitterness. We forbid tyranny, despair, confusion, depression, curses, death, sickness, violence, gender-based violence, rape. We forbid it. If you want to see the society change, and that's what I was praying when I was standing right there, right? And I'm sure some of you were also praying, Lord, give us the nations. I was praying for Namibia. I was, Lord, give me Namibia. And how are we going to do that, guys? It's only through us. Okay? Jesus has handed us the keys. And one day he will come riding in on a white horse and he will judge the earth. But up until that point, he has given you the keys. And he said, go out there and forbid what needs to be forbidden. And you need to release what needs to be released, which is blessing, peace, love, kindness, joy, justice, righteousness, hope and grace. Let the church arise. Romans 8, 19, 21 says, For the creation waits in eager expectation. That's all that you see, guys. All that you touch, all of it, is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Don't go underground. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We are holding back this society. Not the politicians, not that weird uncle of yours, not the rapists in our society, not the school system, not the teacher, nobody. We are the ones that need to be revealed so that creation can get an experience of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And I want to do a little experiment with you guys. You guys cool with that? Okay. I want you to imagine a church becoming all that Jesus wants us to be. Okay? Imagine that. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read you this text. And it's from the Bible school notes, and it's just brilliant. Our own Bible school notes. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. And I want you to picture this. Imagine a church filled with the presence of God. 
a church flowing in the Spirit where miracles are normal and people's deepest needs are met by the power of God. Imagine a church abandoned in worship, a church saturated in the glory of God and fully alive to God. Imagine a church built on truth, a church that flows in revelation and stands on the authority of the Word of God. Imagine a church overflowing in grace, a church where the lonely are enfolded in loving community and the hurting are loved into healing. Imagine a church which seeks and saves the lost. A church which compassionately and boldly shares the gospel and people are added to the church daily. Imagine a church with genuine spiritual family, a church where life is done deeply and friendships are built which last a lifetime. Imagine a church which is Christ-like and distinctly different from the world. A church where humility, holiness, and honor are the standard. Imagine a church that is a leadership factory. A church that raises and releases reformers, champions, history makers. Imagine a church which offers practical help and real solutions to the community. A church that is involved in society and makes a real difference. Imagine a church that multiplies churches exponentially. A church that has a heart for world, world missions and breaks through in territory after territory after territory. Imagine a church that reforms the Namibian society. A church that imparts the wisdom of a biblical worldview and builds all of our society, this Namibia, according to the way and the will of God. Imagine a church that overcomes the gates of hell, a church that is victorious over the devil and his works of darkness. This is the church Jesus is building in the earth. Amen. And this is the church that we are building. Every nation, Dorado, we are building a church. And we want you to be added. We want you to do this. What is our vision? To see a transformed society that advances the kingdom of God through discipleship in the word, presence, and power of God. That is what we're building, guys. And you are part of that. How awesome is that? Yeah? Amen. Please stand up. So maybe you've had, had it rough with the church in the past. Right? Maybe for you, the church has disappointed you time after time after time after time. Maybe you're skeptical about the church. Maybe you think that this thing is foolishness. Right? But I want you guys to give it a shot. Every single one of us needs to be plugged into the church. I want you to understand something that the church can survive without you, but you cannot survive without the church. In the same way that my body can survive without my hand, but my hand cannot survive without my body. It is the exact same thing. As flawed as it is, as broken as we are sometimes, as ugly as it can get sometimes, this is beautiful. The church is beautiful. The church is the bride of Christ. A spotless bride. A bride that is not judged 
by her creator, but that is washed clean, that is white as snow. It doesn't have to carry any guilt, any condemnation. It doesn't need to worry about its past and ultimately knows what its destiny is. That is the church. That is who you are. You are an overcomer. And Lord, I just want to pray for every single person here today, Lord God, that you would reveal to us who you are, Lord Jesus. That we would have that revelation, Lord God, that Peter had, so that we can be called rocks, Lord God, that stand firm, Lord, that are not tossed to and fro, Lord God. Lord, I pray that every single one of us will have a, a revelation of our identity, Lord, in Christ Jesus. That we know who we are, that we know where we are going, that we know that we are loved, Lord. That we know, Lord, that we are accepted, Lord, that regardless of what has happened to us in the past, Lord God, that we are a new creature, a new creation, that all the old has passed and all things are made brand new, Lord. And Lord, I pray that in this week, Lord God, that we would be the salt and the light in this town, in this country, Lord God, that we will see a transformed society, that we will see a transformed Namibia, Lord God, that we will not open our mouths to complain, Lord God, but that we will open our mouths to confess who is God, who our God is, that we will tell the enemy that we are taking back what he has stolen from us, that we will tell the enemy that we are coming for him, that we will tell the enemy that we are advancing against the, the gates of hell. And Lord, right now I bind every spirit of injustice. I bind violence, Lord God. I bind the hatred, Lord. I bind everything, Lord God, that would put itself up against you, Lord. And I say that it has no place in Namibia. It has no place in this town. It has no place in this church, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we loose and we release, Lord God, into Namibia and into this church and into this nation, Lord God. We release your love. We release your peace, Lord God. We release, Lord God, wholeness. Lord God, we, re we release uh, acceptance, Lord God, forgiveness of sins, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we bring the too good to be true news of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins. Thank you, Lord God, that we will establish your church, Lord God, and nothing will stand against it. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.